Hi, this is Karina Ganters, host of Behind the Pen, and you're listening to the audio podcast. Enjoy. and I host the radio show Author Assist on the Artist First Radio Network. I'm also running Author Assist, which gives services to independent authors and teaches them how to utilize tools that they need to succeed in this business. Today, my special guest is uh, Mitch Carlson. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Nice to meet you. Thank you for having me here. I know that you're in Greece and it's good to speak to another part of the world yeah and you're all the way over in bangkok and you're actually my first guest from bangkok so that's really cool perfect i look thai and i fit right in (laughs) how long you've been living there now almost well in thailand in total close to 10 years wow between chiang mai and bangkok yeah that's a long time and and you married to settle down no, I'm, I've been married, and that was to an American, and that became unmarried status about 15 years ago. So then I decided to, to go, go and spread my wings and travel around the world a bit, and I ended up here. So where have you been around the world, not just Bangkok? Where, where else have you traveled? Oh, gosh. I lived for eight months in uh, Bali. I lived for a year and a half in the Philippines between Manila and Davao City. Nice. I also spent time in Lima, Peru. Wow. Uh, the yeah in um, the Dominican Republic, Medellin, Colombia, and well, and of course the U.S. and now here in Thailand, which is my my choice. Have you ever I... been to to Greece to visit for a holiday at all? Can't travel at the moment. We have something called the pandemic. Yes, once we this certainly do. Changes. I want that is on my list. I want to see Greece and Turkey. Wonderful. Excellent. Okay. So Behind the Pen is a show for anyone who works with the pen. You'll be an illustrator, musician, editor, uh, screenwriter, author, writer. So what is it you use your pen for, Mitch? I have written, ghost written several books for clients. I have written uh, one published book myself. I'm published with John Wiley and Sons. So it's a New York publisher, the largest business book publisher in the world when I, and it was translated into German as well. And I've written many books self-published that I've used as marketing tools. You won't find them online because they were used for a specific task and they were either given away or sold at live events where I've spoken Mm. around the world. And I have one of my books that was also translated into Malay, the Malaysian language. Yes. So with one of my clients, I co-authored was on communication and speaking, doing those markets. So the, for the ghostwriting, that's still nonfiction as well. Only nonfiction. Only nonfiction. Only nonfiction. So what yeah, was the, I don't know anything about fiction. What was the first thing you had published when you were a little younger? A little younger. The very first published book was 
called The Silent Salesman, M-E-N, The Silent Salesman from John Wiley and Sons. That's, and sorry, that's the first thing you've ever had published. Correct. Wow. No ac academic yeah, that was, that paper That came out in 2008. What about, what about at school and university? You didn't do any academic papers or be no. in the news? No, newsletter, no. No, no not in the university, but, but I mean, I've been in the newspapers many, many times in many countries for my career as a speaker and training professional speakers and working with people on their personal branding. That aspect, I've been in many magazines, newspapers, on television, on many platforms, radio shows. So that part, if you're looking at that, if you count that as publishing, that came later. That mm -hmm. was after the age of uh, 30, I think the first time I had major TV exposure was right after 9-11. And after 9-11, I was walking up the stairs the day it happened in my showroom. I owned an ad agency back then in Los Angeles. And we had uh, created previously a role of tax form called the 1040 IRS form, which was our internal revenue service tax on a toilet paper. And I said, you know what? This Osama bin Laden deserves to be on people's butts. And I created a toilet paper with his face and used the, the, the label of, or the caption, let's wipe out terrorism, you know, and put his face there. So we wiped our bums every day with Osama bin Laden. And I sold these, these uh, toilet paper rolls all over the United States. And then it went international and I got interviewed on multiple radio stations, TV stations, Sydney Morning Herald interviewed me. Uh, I had many, so many radio shows and TV shows in the US, Reuters Worldwide, Fox I've, News. I've seen that toilet roll. I don't know if it was a copy of, of you. It could have been a copy of me, but I came out with it first and then there were many copycats after. Yeah, I've and I was seen the it. Market. That, was, that was my idea and it was called news jacking where I jacked the current situation of 9-11 and with the proceeds going to the American Red Cross to help the victims that were oh, that's amazing. injured. Yeah, that was, you know, that was 20 years ago. My gosh, time's flown. Yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah, it's hard to believe. So I had a lot of press. I think it was about 200 news outlets in total where I did radio shows was covered or, or talked about coming out with these pieces around uh, around the globe. And they, they uh, you talked about uh, how you feel about terrorism and your, exactly. your opinions on it and what yeah. happened. And then and I got everything. accused by the interviewer from the Sydney Morning Herald. She called me a capitalistic imperialist. Ooh. And yes, oh yeah, she Ooh, wanted to jab words. the American. Yeah, I said, oh, you're a capitalist and an imperialist. I said, thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. That was a, the best response you could have said, yeah. Guilty as charged, madam. Yes. That's amazing. Okay, so you were already working, um, doing your speeching and doing your strategies and um, branding and everything before the book came out. Yes. Oh, I'd been a speaker for many years. Let's talk about that. I mean, what, what started that off? Where was your love for, for um, helping people and um, giving them advice in, the, in this industry? How did it all start for you, Mitch? 
it started in 1984 uh, in, because of some life events that had changed. And at one time I, I didn't talk about this and I became, I decided to go public with my story a few years ago. It was just the right time, right place. Mm -hmm. In 1983, my parents died five weeks apart from a cancer and a heart attack. So I was, I was young at that time. My life changed. I went on a spiral, downward spiral of drugs and alcohol. Then in, uh, in 1984, I decided a year later after near, many near death experiences, I decided to live versus take the other road, which would have meant sheer for, for certain death. I turned my life around and then started to speak about my experience of recovery and of feeling good about myself again and starting to feel confident again and helping others is the best way to feel better about yourself being selfless and assisting others in need so i embarked on the path of helping other people used to speak at detention facilities to help youth doing what i could to give back as much as i can and as much as I could, and I still do this today. What triggered it though, from you being into drugs and, and spiraling down and, and then something must have triggered it for you to say, right, now I'm gonna turn my life around. I'm gonna get sober, I'm gonna get uh, drug free and I'm gonna start helping people that are in the same situation that I was in. So where did that trigger come from? Where did that? You know, where did it click on for you? What was the pivot in the road or, or click, as you say, or trigger? It was watching a TV commercial while I was all spun out on drugs and alcohol. It, in the, you know, probably four in the morning, a TV commercial came up with me looking, with the camera looking up through a piece of plexiglass mm. and the narrative in the commercial was this is what happens to you when you consume masses mass massive amounts of cocaine and alcohol and the dirt started to pile meaning you were looking up from a grave wow was the experience intense. yeah it was intense it was so effective i've never forgotten it wow. that was the pivot point where i made the decision to not kill myself because I was killing myself, you know, a cut at a time. And when you saw that advert, you knew that's that where was you the end up. I picked up the phone and called this place. They didn't answer. Then I went old school, pulled out a Yellow Pages, which is a directory back. I know. This was nineteen. Yeah. This is 1984. Pulled out a directory, phone book directory. Found a treatment center. They picked up the phone. Then I checked myself in the next day. Wow. Well done. That's amazing. Yeah. And I've been quite blessed to live a, a very good life since. Wonderful. That, that's totally amazing. And, and like you say, it took a lot of guts to come out publicly and uh, talk about that. I've um, just recently started talking about things that have happened in my life and uh, you get closure from it most definitely and of course it helps other people that have suffered the same you know there is light at the end of the tunnel as they say you just got to follow that light 
you did. Yeah, That's I, amazing. Yeah, you have to suspend your ego and realize that sometimes you can help some other people when you become honest and revelatory. Yeah, another love word. that. Just, this, this was my turning point or spark, I think you said. That was it. It was a turning point in my life for my life. So um, you went to, to university. Were you studying sales and uh, stuff there, marketing and sales? There, I or studied did you in learn? my undergraduate. Yeah. yeah. I studied communication while at the university in my mm -hmm. undergraduate program. So I have a degree, uh, Bachelor's of Arts in Communication, then later went and got uh, a return and earned an MBA, Master's in Business Administration. What got you into that? Why, why, why that uh, industry? Why, why that subject? Communication? No, I mean, um, not the communication part, the, um, the business part of, uh, I know a lot of it, especially for me with my business, a lot of it comes from common sense and um, women's intuition for me. Uh, okay. as well as what I studied at uh, college and, and had my, um, my certificates there. And of course, what you learn over the years, you give back to people. Um, you go to webinars, you listen to others and you learn from them and you then give back what you've learned. Um, is that how it's worked for you? Absolutely. I think I've gone full circle where I got into the speaking business by accident, meaning it was with no monetary motivation. It was strictly a way to give back to help mm -hmm. other people because I had been given the gift. So I gave back and then I was offered money at some point to speak. I accepted and then another pivot happened in my life where I was, well, I can make money doing this. I can go and speak for 90 minutes and walk out with a pocket full of cash. And I thought, this is the easiest money in the world. <laughs> And I, I, I realized, okay, this is a profession and I needed to get very good at it in order to be excellent. It's not easy. People think, oh, they're natural born speakers, natural born salespeople. I see BS, bullocks, as you Brits say. No, you've got to study it, practice it. It's a skill that has to be honed. Oh, it does. And a, yeah, to be a great radio show host. It's a skill that comes from experience and looking at yourself and realizing, okay, I could do this better, that better. Same goes for any profession. And as a professional speaker, I wasn't very good in the beginning. I got better over time through experience, learning, feedback from people who were better than me, had more experience. I sought and paid for coaches yeah. to help me become better. Yeah. And over time, I improved. And I improved some more and I improved and I continued to improve. And then I realized when you teach others, you improve even more because then you implement what you're teaching. You can't get away from it. And it makes you or made me give myself a hard look about what I was doing right and wrong. It's, and, uh, it's the kind of, uh, the business that we're in changes all the time and you have to keep up with everything so it's not like oh i've got this degree and i can go and speak about this and i know about this and i can help with this and i'll do a book about this 
the market changes, especially with the situation we're in now. And so we have to keep up with the new trends. And so we're always learning. We're always going to these webinars and learning what's, what's uh, trending and what's not to help our own clients. Because it's like, it feels like, you know, when a doctor, they're, they're a doctor and that's it. But there's other people that go over and study and become better doctors and the other ones they don't care because they've got their surgery they're happy and they don't care about the the new uh, uh medications or the new um um things that are coming out we have to keep learning do you agree with that absolutely it's a because if you i think the best teachers are the, the best students mm. the best students become the best teachers because they're always yearning for learning and I've had mentors, I've had teachers, I continue to consume information. I don't yeah. think there are en enough hours in the day yeah. of content that I want to take in. I mean, it's this weekend and I'm looking forward to it because then I can watch some videos that I've wanted to watch on topics that are of interest to me. Wonderful. And then I can use this to apply and help my students. Exactly. And, this, and exactly. it's, all, it's, it's, it's a, they say it's the hamster on the wheel, but it's a wheel that I choose not to get off because I enjoy it. That's good. Let's um, talk about talk about your book now. Um, it's you, I think I've seen a quote somewhere that's saying that you can help an author get to number one status and sell thousands of books. So what is this uh, magic uh, spell that you cast? Oh, I, I, I know that, well, it, let's talk about the difference of in the publishing world, there's the self-published book. It might be something from Vanity Press where you just have it Never and again. it's a, a business. Okay. Well, all right. So that's, we've learned our lessons. Okay. All right. We, that's a whole <laughs> topic in itself. Then there's the hybrid where someone, you pay somebody to help distribute for you. And that is suitable for some yeah, where they have the hybrid. rights to get it. Yeah. So then you have the ability to leverage their contacts with Ingram, which is the big book distribution network. Yeah. That'll take you into the stores and, or I, I had great success when I was with Wiley with my published book, because I was able to then get into the airport bookstores and the airport bookstores in America for the business traveler yes. and for your genre for fiction is ideal yeah. because these are usually people that are middle class to upper middle class and income to reflect that as well, who are readers and they're bored. It's a perfect market because they're about to, to board a flight. Yeah. They're jumping on this flight and they do this and it's a great way for you to market your books. I sold many books through the airport bookstores because there were over, I think, 300 of these stores with a captive audience. Because, I mean, because you had a really top publisher, so they were helping you market and they were promoting for you, whereas the independent author does it themselves. And even hybrid authors don't get that um, much... Um, clout to be able to do something like that well let me clarify something what john wiley did do and didn't do they offered great editing 
they offered distribution. So it was a nice rush to see my book on the bookshelf in a then Barnes and Noble. I don't even know if they're around anymore in the US or not, but it was a Barnes and Noble and a Borders. It was on the shelf in the business section. And that in itself was a great experience and uh, validation. It was yeah. beautiful to see that. I must yeah. say, it felt very good to see it. And it's still on Amazon today, that particular book. And it's also was transcribed and or translated into German. So it was great. What they did do was distribute in terms of marketing zero. I paid for the airport bookstore space. And I think it was about $4,000 us per month. Whoa. What did it do for me in terms of putting money directly in my pocket? Zero because I was paid in advance and then all the sales went against the advance and I never ate up the money that was there. So did I get any extra income? Zero, zero. But here's what the book did do. And this is incredibly valuable. And I know I'd love to hear how you chime in in your experience. Number one, the most valuable effect or result of me writing a book was the change in my mindset and self-perception. Because Karina, at that point, I felt and believed I deserved to have all the gifts of life, to have the gifts of being wealthy, the gifts of entitlement, because I had done what most common men and women were unwilling to do. You and I know it's not a major step to get a book done after you've done it, but your first one seems like it's Mount Everest. <sighs> And you think you're going like, to be a number one yeah. bestseller and make loads and loads of money. Yeah, yeah. But to even <laughs> do it, it's a major step for most people because it is a process. And if you're in the unknown, the one-eyed man is king when you're in a blind zone. And I didn't know the whole publishing arena and I learned there are a lot of things I would do different today. But what it did was change my mindset. It also opened up multiple speaking opportunities for me and my credibility in the marketplace made me rise up to a height I had never believed I deserved to be positioned. I then, because I was a published author, not a vanity press author, which is a whole different level. I mean, there's yeah. Toyota and a Mercedes. If you are a published author, this is sort of the old perception. Maybe it's the same today, but at that time I believed I deserved and I believed that there was no stage in the world that I didn't belong on because the right to passage is a published book or was at that time. It gives and you it confidence. Oh, yeah. tremendous confidence and, and belief in me because mm -hmm. the only person that's held me back in life is me. Yeah. I've had tremendous opportunities. I can't blame. I was raised by a single mom or, you know, I mean, all these things, my success is 100% earned. My mm -hmm. failures are 100% earned, mm -hmm. but our failures are just roads that caused me to go and find another road. I don't look at it today and, and oh, I failed. No, I didn't win in that environment. And I had to shift and go someplace else. That's how I, choose to look at failures, but, uh, could... I want to address that comment. If I may, I yeah, want to bring up that about the thousand books. Then there's this whole new group of people 
that can make you a guaranteed Amazon bestseller. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I know you're in, you're an expert. That is such a fallacy because Amazon doesn't have the same respect as becoming New York Times bestseller, not even close. Everyone can be an Amazon bestseller if they know how to do it, which is what I do yeah. with my clients. They love oh, that title and they promote oh, okay. that title. But as you say, being a New York Times bestseller is a different status. Entirely. It's, it's the, you know, a tenement apartment versus a mansion, uh, you know, in the center of London. Come on. It's not even in the same league, but it's something. It's like at least they've done something, achieved something. An Amazon bestseller I know is tricking the algorithm from what I know about it. And I'm, I haven't played the Amazon game. You clearly know more about it than I do, but it doesn't have the same prestige or cachet as New York Times. But to be a New York Times bestseller today is usually about 400,000 US to, to, to have enough books sold. Well, I know, I know some authors that have become New York Times bestsellers and I've asked them, you know, how did you do it? And they said, you get on the New York Times bestsellers list by selling so many books in such a short period of time. Correct. Correct. It's an algorithm. Again, it doesn't matter if your books are brilliant or not. And, and that's no. why it's on the yeah. New York Times bestseller list. It's because no. you sold all those copies in such a short period of time, you're now on NYT. Well, isn't that the same as Amazon? And it don't is. you need to sell a certain amount within a certain period of time? And then you are on, and then you get that bestseller badge? Mm -hmm. It is. Same deal, just different numbers. I think the so, New York Times number is a little bigger. Yes, most definitely. Um, but where's the next one? Where's the next stage after that? Where do you go after that? After writing a book, it was then about creating courses that are to be sold. I think the natural evolution is like, okay, if people want more of you, if they buy into you and what your message is, they want to connect deeper. It's almost like they're running around with an umbilical cord and looking for sustenance since they left their mummy's tummy. And if they find somebody that is the leader, guru, their guide, their, you know, facilitator in life, they want this and it feed me, feed me. So after a book, it's a course. It may be then teaching them and, and consulting with them privately. I mean, everything, not everything, but part of what you may teach can be found on the internet, but they buy can. into Karina. They want to buy into you and they want money. Face to Karina. face. Exactly. Yes. Face Hold to face hands. teaching. But a lot of it could be found on YouTube. What I teach could be found on YouTube, but yeah. they need the, spe the specific eye of someone holding their hand and gently walking them, giving them encouragement. You're doing great. Walking them through. And then when yes. they've finished the course or finished the lesson, you're always there for them 24 seven if they need it. Whereas with YouTube, you watch the video, it's done. There's no help if they need it, they get stuck. But doing it one-on-one -on -one with the teacher, then that uh, after sales, that uh, help is always there for them. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, that's, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, but the book promo, so you help people come up with the bestseller status? 
I do. Okay. That's one of my that's one of my, one of my uh, services. But I have about twenty okay. others. I do everything from book trailers, narration, brainstorming, marketing promotion, newsletters, you name it. Anything to do with books and and getting your book out there and the author's name out there and known and branded, then that's all me. Okay, well then we'll talk post uh, interview. Uh, <laughs> I might have some clients for you. Wonderful, excellent. Well, I certainly be uh, promoting you around everywhere as well. Tell, so right. tell me, um, where can people find out more about you and where can they find your book? Okay, well, the, my, my book, The Silent Salesman, has been published for a while. So it's more in the niche of, I have many more books that I'm going to release that are already written. I'm going to now go out and release them Wonderful. on Amazon, as opposed to waiting for the two-year process of going through a publisher. It's just too long today. Exactly. So I'm going to be self-publishing these up through CreateSpace and just get yeah. them up there. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, they could find my book, The Silent Salesman, on Amazon today because I don't think many people are going to bookstores or is it wide though have you have you gone wide with the book it's in German <laughs> it's in Germany and it's in English well, what I mean so, by wide is um, not being um, stuck with Amazon on a Kindle Unlimited wide you're on Apple you're on Google you're on Barnes and Noble you're on Kobo is, is that yes. where your book yes yes can they be can found everywhere okay yes yes wonderful but it was published in 2008 so it's it's out there for a while i have multiple books which will be released uh, this year you know I mean, nobody i i've been putting them on ice because i didn't know what was happening because of yeah. the pandemic i didn't want to release it during these times but now i have so many that are just sitting ready maybe you can help me with some of this after after we get off the call Okay. Uh, have you got? Did uh, Did you say you had a, a website? Have you quoted Mitch your website? Mitch Carson, M I T C H, M I Mitch at MitchCarson.com. They can email me. That's wonderful. Okay. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Mitch, and I hope that uh, people go out and check out the book and then see what uh, you're all about and what you can help with uh, them with their career, whether it's um, sales or. Um, um marketing whether they're authors whether they're you know just to to try and, and even get in touch with you and and do a one-on-one -on -one. so um Great. i hope that really works for you and i wish you all the best with your books when they come out because this one's the one that you've got out is is out of date now and you need to get with the times and self-publishing is the way to go so uh congratulations on that and i wish you all the best with your book Thank you.